Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out on a Wednesday playoff week. We got a ton of stuff to get to. Before we get to before we get to anything, yeah. Um, that last Nerlens Noel, like, pray for him. Hope he's fine. Yeah. Cause he was uh, just to explain, if everybody's listening to the podcast, didn't see the highlight we just showed, Noel yeah. goes up to make a block, gets elbowed in the face, falls. Yeah, but it's a, he made a cardinal, his cardinal sin. All right. You know, the, oh, I don't know. Did you dunk on a lot of people or do you try to block? <laughs> all right. I, did, did, did you try to block? Did you try to block yes. a lot of dunks? Yes. You are never supposed to be the second man to jump in that scenario. If he is in the air already and you are under the rim in a, in a, in a vulnerable position, the chance of you getting a forearm in your chest by the dude who's already higher than you, propelling you to fall backwards and him to go higher are very, very likely. Right. So you can't be the second man to jump. Uh, if you're the second man to jump, get out of the way. Plus, he ain't got no weight. He's There's really light in his There's some law butt. of physics out there. Like, I do not jump. Something in motion is stronger than the equal. <laughs> something I hope he's fine, but that's on Nerlens Noel, dude. That's a num- cardinal no, Because state. I think a lot of NBA players get heat sometimes, and fans complain that they, they give a guy an uncontested dunk. But they're, they're, they're not yeah. going to have that happen. Crack your face on the ground, right. Exactly. All right, we're going to break down the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA. Uh, but first, Eric Reed, uh, safety for the Carolina Panthers, probably – more known recently or later in his career for being the guy that knelt next to Colin Kaepernick pretty early on when they were teammates with the 49ers. Then he was telling people he was being blackballed, but then he did get an opportunity from the Carolina Panthers. Right. They signed him this season. And throughout the season, every day he comes into work, and all of a sudden he goes in the locker. There's that letter that says, you have been randomly selected for a sure. drug test. That's fine. Uh, he was on the team for 11 weeks. Uh, seven of those weeks he got the drug test. So Eric Reed has been pretty vocal saying this isn't random this is you guys targeting me because I was a guy who knelt who's been a vocal opponent of the NFL he's suing the league oh and so he's saying this you, is them harassing me I don't understand how you work in the league and you're suing the league like I but I do th- you don't think that that's harassment you don't think that they what let me not use the term harassment you don't think that they targeted him with that many drug tests in 11 weeks Danny I do not here's why cuz and it I, everybody like I was talking to Brady Quinn, who works with us here, and he said, oh, I think they are. He said, but I don't think it's necessarily because of the Anthem stuff. He said, I think it's because he fits this age demographic where you once you get up there in years, then they start to target you a little more. But then that implies that it's truly not random, that they are targeting certain groups. I, I always thought, because there were weeks where I'd have five weeks in a row. And I, really? And like, all, like the other quarterbacks are like, man, what are they doing that for? And it's kind of a joke. Like, right. it becomes a joke. And I'm like, well, I don't care. And then you go two years without getting one. So I do think it can be. I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of like conspiracy theories, right? Sure. I think it wouldn't surprise me. I, I don't believe it, but it wouldn't shock me. Now they did come out, the NFL and the NFLPA. That's what makes it a little bit interesting is the NFL Players Association, who was supposed to have his back, released a joint statement saying there was, they did a study. There was no conclusive evidence that he was targeted, and they're like, let's move on from this. Correct, because Eric Reed is about to be out of the league, not because he's not, I mean, he's just older, right, and he's not doing the same job anymore. So why would the NFLPA want to fight with the NFL about a player that's going to be irrelevant to them in a year? It doesn't make any sense for them to do that. Total collusion. It happens every sport. Like, yeah, you've been targeted for some reason. It doesn't have to necessarily be the Colin Kaepernick thing. It could be because of age, but I don't buy into like, I am a conspiracy theorist with this. I'm not about everything, but what what, I would actually like to know what 
the study says. Like, are you, what are the specifics of the report? Like, what did they do? How did they, are there other players? Because that would be your biggest thing if you're the NFL or the NFLPA uh, is to say, hey, there was pick player X on this team, and he was tested seven times in eleven weeks, and he never did the anthem. He never had any history. Boom! It was just Prove totally it. random. Shoot it down, right? Prove so it. that's what I would like to see because I think the NFL. I think this is where they could do a better job of silencing their critics. Yeah. And they deserve a lot of the criticism they get. But in this circumstance, I think there are a lot of people who are really skeptical. You say, here are, you might, don't find one. T- show me 10 other players that, that's who have tested to. seven in 11 Correct. weeks. And then we'll go, then we'll all say. A sample size. Okay. I'll, I'll stop talking about it. I'm going to ask you about another conspiracy theory. NBA referees having an agenda when they come out to ref a game. Or maybe not an agenda, but having a mandate as to how to ref said player in said game you believe that to exist or no so i think it can be it can be a nuanced discussion i absolutely think they have beefs with players uh, yeah like, you know you don't like a guy because he said something to you well i'm not talking about i'm not talking about the human element of okay, like so uh, we've saying... got a personal relationship i'm talking about kobe needs to shoot free throws tonight danny cannell is going to be on kobe like I, we, kobe cannot be out of this game for foul trouble you don't believe there to be anything like that happening <laughs> yes. in any of the games or you could say Raja bell was covering well, i was going to say that but i didn't want to <laughs> say it <laughs> yeah, because i true. say this because you remember tim donahue right yeah came out with a book yep do you know how quickly that book got shut down everywhere <laughs> he tried to peddle that book yes you're, you're telling me that the general population wouldn't be like interested in some of what he was talking about oh for the sure. nba put the kibosh on that book bro right and he touches on some of that in the book when you read excerpts from it so like you can't tell me in these leagues that I'm not saying it's a cheating thing i'm not saying that they're they're determining the outcome of games but there are times when there is like hey drug testing committee listen right we got a little thing with eric reed here i'm gonna need you to like double down on him <laughs> right right i, it wouldn't I believe it, it. it wouldn't surprise yeah. me I, I think they do need to come out and prove it i do think in certain circumstances they will referee like i'm trying to think there was a a, a circumstance earlier this year is totally dropping my mind but there are times when you have to Set a certain tone. Well, how about, so here's one. Remember the preseason? Remember how many times they officiated and they were throwing the flags yes. for the helmet to helmet? That automatically stopped. All the time? It yeah. Just, remember how it just went away? Yeah, sure. That was absolutely a mandate behind closed doors saying, look, we went too far this way. Let's stop calling it. And then it just kind of disappeared. Right. Spanish. That was the one I totally forgot. Uh, maybe I had a CTE moment there. <laughs> um, all right. The NFL playoffs are here again after wildcard weekend. We have some pretty, uh, compelling matchups. Uh. The Rams who had a bye week are in action. And I think this is a really, Interesting matchup for the Rams because they've got the Cowboys coming to town. The Cowboys are kind of this hotter team late in the season. The Rams are a seven-point favorite. But one of the guys that I will be watching the most is Jared Goff because Jared Goff did not – I know he finished the last game of the season. He had four touchdowns, but it was the 49ers, one of the worst teams out there. But there was a time there when you're watching him play, and it was against the Bears. He had four picks. The week before that, he had a rough game in Detroit, even though they won. It was kind of pedestrian. Then he had zero touchdowns, one interception, and a loss to the Eagles. I'm interested to see where his psyche is because I, there are a lot of people, I, I don't know if I'm this far there, that say he's a system quarterback, right? That he just, that he's, he's a, a product of Sean McVay's system, and if he's really under pressure, if he's really under duress, he can't come up big. I'm not in that camp yet, but weeks 13 to 17, you see the numbers that drop off when he had six touchdowns, six interceptions in that span. I'm saying this guy's got to play better or else this team could be vulnerable in this game. Yeah, I think that he's got to play better, but I think, you know, the jury is still out on the Rams in general. Like, you know, they've been prolific offensively over the last two seasons, but, you know, you saw what they did in the playoffs last year. They were the number one scoring offense in the league, averaging almost 30 a game. They came out and they hung up 13 on, you know, getting beat by, by Atlanta. So 
while a lot of that hangs, you know, on Jared Goff, I think we need to take a second before we put all of our stock in the Rams as a team. Like there's stuff there to prove. And across the spectrum of sports, like any guy, not everybody's built for the, the big moments. There are guys that can be awesome regular season players. They're, they're right. littered around. Like, I don't have all the names, but. He's got another one in LA that pitches for the Dodgers named Clayton yeah, Kershaw. He's dude. been one of the best regular season pitchers we've ever seen and has this, ba- this massive playoff, like, jinx on Correct. him. Correct. Can't get off his back. And I'm not labeling Jared Goff as that yet, but I'm saying if this is something that this is a trend, right? Where you're going to be really hot early in the season all the way through, like, you know, the last, to the third quarter or the fourth quarter, and then you start to tail off and you don't have postseason success. Um, not everybody's built for that. How about, what, so the hottest trend right now in the NFL is these coaching hires, and we're going to talk, we're going to break some of those down as the Cardinals got their guy, and we mentioned Cliff Kingsbury and uh, Tampa Bay. But what is the common theme? Everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay. Right. If you coached in his tree, you're going to get an opportunity. You're definitely going to get an interview. You're probably going to get the job. He doesn't have a playoff win yet. Like, what what happens if they get bounced? Like, are all these people who are putting all of this in there? Serious they, talking. <laughs> I've been looking up uh, Sean McVay's playoff record. Uh, but like, what what does that say about him? Like, I think he's been great, but I think this is why. If you're an NFL team hiring a head coach, you better have better reasons than just he was in the Sean McVay tree. Yeah, and I get to your point. Like, it hasn't bore any fruit yet like they've been right. really exciting but they haven't won anything and so you know what's interesting about that and it's i guess a different conversation is you know i played for mike d'antoni and, and those Suns teams where you know i got there the second year so the year before i got there i was in utah they were really good offensively with joe johnson and quentin richardson and then we came in and we and we continued the success right and we had a like four-year stretch of just prolific offenses no one could match up to what we were doing offensively all this all this regular season success and we didn't win in the playoffs for one reason or another. There were injuries sometimes. There were suspensions. Like, whatever the reason it didn't win, you didn't see people, like, clamoring to find the next Mike D'Antoni. The knock, the knock was like Mike D'Antoni stuff only works in the regular season. Do you know what really? I mean? So it's really interesting to see a, a similar situation here. Yeah, he's kind of reinvented what people do offensively in the NFL. I'll give you that. But it hasn't won yet. Do you think... Because D'Antoni was a very offensive-minded coach, right? Threes. Yeah. Do you think it's because teams play more with more intensity on defense, or is, was it a mental hurdle you guys had to get over? Because I do think, like you, de- there is a difference in playoff football. You can tell me if there's a difference in playoff, and it's intensity, but it's also schemes. Like those coordinators spend a lot more time. It's not like they slack in the regular season. No, they save stuff for moments in the postseason. And I do think you, it becomes that much more challenging. So if you are vulnerable, you're going to get exposed. Yeah. I think our situation, while there was much more time to prepare for an offense, uh, when you're in the, like an NBA playoffs, like a, a team that'll sit there and dissect what you want to do offensively and have a defensive scheme, we were still pretty good offensively. Um, defensively is where we, like we had our shortcomings. You know what I mean? And, right. and we, we just didn't buy into that side of the ball as much as, as uh we probably should have. And to some degree, like you're talking about a Rams team, right? Let's use the Rams. Like they've got a whole lot of talent on D. Yes. They haven't been this juggernaut defensively. And so, you know, part of a coach's job, and I'm not like this is just us sitting here chatting, is like, yeah, you're great on offense, but your defense by some account could could be considered like underachieving. Totally. And does that come back to bite you in the butt? Because the the Cowboys are gonna come in, they're gonna pound the ball with Ezekiel Elliott, right? They're gonna try to keep the ball out of your offense's hands. And if you haven't put the same amount of stock in your defense as your offense, and this is the one thing I will say about Mike, because I always defend Mike and I always got his back. We did not 
put enough stock in defense. And that's the reason we lost. The offense was fine. Golden State's winning with it. Houston's winning. A lot of people are winning with it. The offense yeah. was fine. We just did not hang our hat on defense enough. And that's a coach's job too. You wonder if this, this is the type of team, cause they were everybody's darling pick for the Super Bowl before the season because they, you know, they brought in a lot of talent, made a lot of trades defensively. They, you know, they got Talib, um, Peters, like they, they got, uh, sued come in. Like right. they, they brought all these. Now they were, a different type of group because they did come with some baggage, but it was talented. Sure. I wonder if this is something we're sitting here looking like fools because all of a sudden the playoffs come and they're like, all right, now it's time to ball out. And then they, then they go out there and take care of business, which I think would be great. Sure. But I definitely have my concerns about them. There's a team that's completely different complexion and different vibe going in there. And it's a team that did not have a regular, great regular season, but is on the absolute tear. It's a team that did it last year. It's the Philadelphia Eagles who... I, there's something about him. I don't, and I keep doubting him. I was, it's funny because last year I was like, don't give up on Nick Foles. He's, he's had a history. So I kind of like the Eagles run. Right. It's not that I don't like the Eagles run this year. I just, I'm more against it. Like it's no way it keeps continuing. Like I thought they would get, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep everybody doing it. Are you a momentum guy? Totally. You are a momentum guy. Which is weird, but like for this one, I keep like saying, man, they're going to hit the wall. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just look like they should hit the wall, but there's something very real about that. And Philly fans, like, look, dude, I'm sorry, Debo. I'm sorry to anybody in Philly. I love Philly, man. Like you can't deny the fact that something happens when you plug Nick Foles into that. Right? Like something happens. I don't know. I can't, like, I don't know. It's a tangible thing. I don't know. Like, but there is a different energy when Nick Foles is at the helm there. Doesn't mean he's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. And so, I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. I wouldn't bet against them, though. I really do put stock in teams that are rolling, teams that believe that they can get it done. They're just coming off of a Super Bowl that was probably improbable that year. That's a lot of improbables and probables in one. But yes, you understand what I'm saying? Like they believe they're playing with house money. What they got to lose? See, I think they got nothing to lose. I think that is a lot what it has to do with the fact that you can go out there because I think there is a lot of stress and stress and there's pressure. And some guys play up tight where this Eagles team has been able to say, man, nobody believes this. That's what I think is more than the momentum and all that. It's, it's the mindset going in the game. There's, right. There's a confidence level and a freedom of being, uh, man, we're not even, this is house money. We're just going to go out. If we lose, we lose. We're not going to get bashed. We've already done this. We've been there. So you can go out there and play. La- and then on the other hand, the other team's thinking, this is the hottest team in the NFL right now. Whoa, we got to make sure we can't screw up or they're going to take advantage of us. We're an eight point favorite. We can't lose this game at home. Right. Like all those, I think that plays that a- mental. Yeah. So let me ask you, when you got ready for the playoffs, were you the guy that said, this is just. Another game, I'm going to treat because there are different kind of guys, right? There, yeah. There's this is just another game kind of guy, yep. Which is fine if that works for you. There's like, you know, this is a bigger stage. I got to get ready for this. Right. It's exciting. Um, there's that kind of guy, but that kind of guy can get too jacked, right? Or get too scared of the moment. So I'm like, I'm curious. So for me, like, I had were, one playoff start, yeah. And I was, I was, because I got nervous before games, yeah. And I didn't, I wanted to try to keep the routine. I didn't want to build the game up to be this enormous magnitude, where right? I was like, holy. What if I, what if I screw up? I wanted to try to just be like, Hey, this is just another game. Yeah. Let me do my same routine. My problem was my routine wasn't that good <laughs> in the regular season. <laughs> I, I should have been given more effort in the regular season. It would have been better in the postseason. Yeah. But I think, but I think the other thing that's interesting about the NFL as opposed to the NBA, you guys have series. Sure. It's one and done. It is very unique. I mean, it's, it's like, that's a, a that's seven. a pressure. Yeah. It's that's like a, a game a seven. Like, yeah. do you approach a game seven differently than you did the first six games? Because there technically is more at stake. Right. It's like it, there I, is a psyche that comes into play. I approach playoff games different. Um, I was a dude who liked, I like to be seen. 
Like, I don't know. It's weird because in my daily life, like, I'm a fly under the radar type of guy. Like, in our household, like, my wife's the star of the show. Like, you know what I mean? Like, growing up, my sister was a star. I was just there. You know what I mean? Like, but when it came to, like, playing, I wanted to be seen. So, like, for playoff games, I treated them like I treated national TV games. Like, the 82-game slate, they were all fun, and I wanted to compete in all of them. But the 10 times we were on national TV, right? like, I was ready for those. Well, I love like, playing on this national stage. But that's the yeah. way I treated the playoff games, though. Right. So, like, I, I was, like, pop. I could smell the popcorn better. Like, the lights were a little brighter. Like, right. I, those were big stages I liked to play on. Them. Yeah, you were the gamer out there. No, but it, I, was, it, it, I, was I wasn't always nervous. great in them. But like, I, that's why I hated night games. Yeah. Because the nerves, to me, wasted so much worthless energy. Sure. But yet they were very real, and I had to deal with them. But as soon as the ball was snapped, I was totally fine. Right. Because, you know, you put in your prep, you go out there. And the best thing that could happen to me is if I got hit early on. Because then I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm I'm fine. It kind of rattles you up, and it wakes you up, and you get into the flow of the game pretty quickly. Do do guys remember trash-talking? Because, like, Alvin Kamara before the season started was like, listen, last year, if we would have played the Eagles, we would have beat the bleep out of them. Like, do you think people on the Eagles remember that and will use that as, like, whatever? I think it'll come into play with some players more so than others. Yeah. But I think every coach looks for bulletin board material. I think some people are like, well, how much does it really matter? In the bigger, like, cosmos of the game, probably not, but... If you see, if you remembering that and recalling that gets you to go in 20 minutes early to study film, stay yep. after practice, and you're like, I can't believe that guy said it, then that's what the coach put it up there for. Correct. You are looking for any edge or any bit that you, of information that you could use to motivate yourself. Like, you know, I remember playing like and trying to rehab uh, and stuff and like older in my career, right? Like, and, really questioning whether I wanted to do it or not anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be too hard to get back from this. Like, I, you're out for 8 to 12 weeks with a wrist injury. Your body has fallen apart because you can't do anything. Is it worth it? And then, you know, you start tricking yourself. Like, Manu Ginobili said you couldn't do it. So you're like, what? Oh, let me get that extra lap in the pool. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's time to get on the bench. And then, you know, there's Larry Brown in your head, and there's Greg Popovich who cut you in your head. And then there's this guy who who wrote an article about you in the 12th grade and said you weren't very good. Like, you draw on all of that as a competitor. So, yeah, like, coaches – and players will draw on any little bit of information that they can hang on to to give them some sort of edge or, or motivational like uh, kick before a game. Did you ever feel like that negativity was a bad thing? Because I would try to not hear any criticism. I just didn't want to hear it as opposed to using it for motivation. Whereas, and it's funny because we were talking about the anthem stuff. Colin Kaepernick, before all everything, when he was a starting quarterback, was famously going and collecting tweets that said he couldn't play quarterback, that he wasn't good, that he couldn't yeah. do it. And he would save those, and he wanted to prove everybody wrong. Like, I almost – and that's one of the things about social media, which is a challenge I never had to face. I would not be on it because that constant negative well, mindset, I think it creeps in where maybe even it's subliminal. Yeah. Like, it creeps in there. I and think it's different it, than trash it, talk because trash talk's one thing. But correct. just the criticism that comes at you. This is like it's personality type for me, right? Like, if you are a – you know, I don't, I don't know. My, my vocabulary is escaping me, but if you're someone that like always loves conflict, like if you're someone right. that just likes, then that might work for you here in the negativity, right? Cause you're like, you got this cocky persona, like you thrive on being a troll almost. You right. know what I mean? Like that, that might be good for you. If you're somebody who just like, you know, has, has a belief in themselves and you don't really want a whole lot of conflict, then you might just want to go about your daily. So for me, I didn't search for negativity right. because I wasn't built like that. I didn't always want conflict and stuff like that. It wouldn't have, necessarily i think shook me but i didn't want it it was just another thing i had to deal with so mine was more like anybody who ever 
like cut me or said I wasn't good enough, like growing up or something like that, I could draw on that. But I, I too tried to stay off of like any like chat board or any like, you know, article that was written. My mom scrolled through the bottom because she wouldn't know what they were saying about her baby. Right. Like I'm like, I don't want to know that. Exactly. Like don't tell me that. I got right. no. My know. dad would always protect me. My sisters would get mad. They'd be like, yeah. oh, I can't believe so and so said this. Like, what? like who? Who said I what? All right. Right. Then get cut off guard. <laughs> Boom. All right. Welcome back. So speaking of these dudes that were just coming out, we're talking about Cole Beasley, Todd yeah. Gurley. Are they practicing or not? They're playing. This is the playoffs, man. Yeah, you dude, gotta what are you do, talking about? You got to get shot up. You got to do whatever you can to go out there and play. If you got a little cold. Speaking of little colds, we were talking during the break about Hannah's out. She's sick today. Sure. Hannah, get better. Get back soon. But we were telling her, don't come back because we too don't want to get sick. Don't come back too soon. No. But there's some pills you can take. You can get them at Whole Foods. Yeah. They're called the wellness formula. It's like I'm in. Wellness I'm pills. going today. Coke is on there saying it's placebo, and this is so he had a statement that my college roommate was a firm believer, and he's like mentally, he's like he would, he'd be like you, he's like you're such a wuss, like he would rag me all the time because I got sick a lot in yeah, college. He's yeah. like, you're such a baby. He's like you just got to mentally, he's like you're mentally weak, and I was like, no, I'm yeah. like there's our place is disgusting, <laughs> right. never get it clean, <laughs> it's like, bacteria all over the right. place. Do you think you can outwill a cold? No. I yes, you can. So yes, you can. Yes, you can. You were just talking about having a dirty room. How about you just clean up your room and you won't need to buy a wellness formula? Science, bro. They're viruses. You got outwill a virus. <laughs> exactly. you, got out, you got outwill a flu. Exactly. Like a stomach bug. Go get the wellness stop. pills. I'm going to get mine on the yeah, way home no, now too. too. Uh, all right. NBA. The Western Conference has been extremely competitive as always. We've seen some unlikely teams as far as preseason expectations at the top. The LA Clippers were in first place for a while. Yeah. They've dropped down to fourth. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are that surprise team that's right there now, 27 and 12 record. They have a game lead over the Warriors. Are you buying into this team as a viable threat or is this just the ebbs and the flows of the season? They've been hot, so they're just taking their turn that one season. By viable threat, you mean, can they beat Golden State? No, no. Like, can they, are they a top three team in the West? They're a top five team in the West. Alright, so that's what I was trying to, yeah. like, delineate where the line was there, they're, they're, how good they could be. I, I believe them to be, like, can you pull the graphic up again? Can you pull the graphic up again? I think that they are above, like, the Spurs, cause the Spurs sit in five now, is that right? The Spurs sit in six. Yeah. So I do believe them to be above the Spurs, above the Trailblazers. They could be top six, cause I think the Lakers, when LeBron's there, are a top five team. Right. I don't think they're the number one team in the Western Conference. No, Look, nobody does. They're a good story, dude. They've got a lot of young players that are really making a name for themselves. Like Nikola Jokic, if you haven't watched him play, he's really fantastic. They call him the Joker. Like he scores the ball well. Like he can rebound the ball. But what he's really brilliant at is like playmaking for a guy his size out on the perimeter. He makes some fantastic passes. Like, uh, uh it's the, what is his name? Sabonis used to play for the Trailblazers and the yep. European star. Jamal Murray's had a great year. Will Barton's been injured, but he's playing well. Uh, and, Gar and Gary Harris is having a good season too. They're not built for playoff success. They're too young. Right. You know what I mean? Like in the playoffs, you have to have a dude. You can't have a bunch of guys. You have to have a dude who will go out, saddle him up. He's going to get you wins. He's going to, we talked about this before. He's going to command respect from referees. That's a huge thing in the playoffs. Game slows down, like they don't call nearly as many fouls, so they're more selective. So do you have a guy that when he goes to the bucket, every every referee in the gym is on alert? If right. you don't have that dude, it becomes exponentially harder to score, you know, in postseason basketball. They're a good story, good young team. They're not a threat to anybody in the West right now. Vegas tends to agree with you. Um to win the Western Conference, clearly the Warriors the favorites. The Rockets right now are at six to one, second best odds, which you know, a month ago, yeah. no one would have thought. They're that. clicking though. Thunder eight to one. The Lakers at fifteen to one, I still think is probably the best value to play there. Sure. Because they're kind of down right now because they don't have LeBron. People are writing them off. I think they could be a viable threat. 
And then uh, the uh, Nuggets are next. 25 to 1 odds you get them to win the West. I don't think it's worth it. I think the Lakers would be worth a flyer at uh, 15 to 1 to win the West, but I would not touch the Nuggets there. No, the, the, it, yeah, you're just throwing your money away. They're not winning the West. Um, like Paul Millsap, what you would hope was like this was two years ago before Paul Millsap started accruing all these little injuries. And he was still a guy that you could give the ball to and, and kind of be the alpha. I think he's more in a supplementary role there. Um, if you had Paul Millsap at his peak, although he wasn't a superstar, this team would be way more dangerous because you'd have that vet. He commanded a little respect from the refs. He was polished enough and had played enough big games where you trust him in the playoffs. They just don't have that now. Paul's not the same Paul from Atlanta three years ago. Yep. So uh, we mentioned in the uh, update right before we came in this break that uh, Boogie Cousins expects to return January yeah. 18th. I hope he's... 110% healthy because why else? Like, there's no rush to get him back. And I'm sure it's been a while. He's had that time. Oh, there's, him, what do you mean? Like, you, like, there's no rush for Boogie to come back? No. Boogie's on a one year deal. <laughs> no, but Boogie, what are you talking about, bro? He only needs to showcase. How long does he need to showcase? Two months of the season? Like, I, I'm just saying, like, if there's any, like, hey, he's 90%, we think he's close, I would set him down for another two weeks. Like, why not just wait till the All-Star break? Seems like a nice round number, give him another month to rest, then he plays the whole back half of the season, then he gets paid. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, if you're, if, if he's at 90%, coming off an Achilles, first of all, you want to err on the side of caution with that, cause you, like, See? it's hard to come back off a of one. You, something happens to that, and your, your career's probably over. Um, but don't get that twisted, bro. Every game Boogie's out there, uh, but for is, him, he's already show, he's already showcased. He always has a resume. Yeah. Of what he is, the type of player he is. All he has to show is that he's healthy. I know, but it's going to take him a while to round into shape. That's true. Right? It's good. Like, so I'm just saying, like, if he comes back and it takes him, cause the all-star break isn't like a 41 game split. Like, they're probably right. 30 games after the all-star game. Something like that, right? So. Perfect number let, for him to come back. It, it is, but let's say it takes him 20 to actually get his sea legs under him. Right. Like, you think somebody's throwing max money for a guy that looked 10 games, he had 10 games worth of a, you know, I don't know. I'm yeah. just saying. He's chomping oh. at the bit. He's ready. He wants to make that bread. Yeah, he definitely is. And I think, I th look, all jokes aside, like, Golden State's been really good in years past. If he fits and he's healthy, it could be the best version of them that we've seen. Right. They're still not going to have the depth that some of those teams have had. But in terms of, like, top-end firepower, right. he is one of the top three bigs in the NBA when healthy. Like, you could talk about his personality and you could do all that. I'm not a personality dude. Like, give me somebody that can hoop. He can hoop. Now, the, the, the jury is out on whether or not it works. Like, right. He, there's a lot of personality there. There's only yeah. one ball. But, um, if it works, this could be the best version of Golden State, uh, at least offensively that you've ever seen. So, Clay Thompson had a big game last night. I have a trivia question for you. Yeah. He had, uh, 43. How many times do you think he dribbled? Um, 43. He got up 43, 43 points. So we obviously 19 times. Four dribbles. In the game? In the game. I love the that. The ball only hit the floor four times. Now, what I was going to ask you, like, is that a stupid stat or is that really impressive? Because I went I was like, man, that's pretty special. Like, it's the same stat that goes around in football, and we didn't even talk about it. But when a player has more touchdowns than incompletions, yeah. like, that's pretty good. Right, you know, right, like, right, 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 yeah, right. This one, I was curious to know your take. Because you think that is pretty cool. That's a sign of the ball, like, movement. Like, he's in his feel. Because he's a catch-and-shoot guy. That's why I was kind of like, is it that big of a deal if that's kind of what he does? I mean, dude, to only take four dribbles, <laughs> right? like, that's pretty remarkable. That's not on scoring plays. That's just in the game. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 pretty hard to do. I was not an off-the-bounce guy. And right. I'd venture to say I dribbled more than four dribbles right, in every game I played in. You just get in and you're some point. Um, I wonder if analytically there's a stat for, like, your efficiency. There's an offensive efficiency stat, but I think it deals more with threes versus twos and 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 – 
you know, layups versus mid-range twos and free throws. But in terms of like, is there a stat for like touches, dribbles, and how efficient he was in, in what he did without dribbles? That's remarkable. Like when I'm teaching kids to play, right? Yep. And this is what's happened with, with basketball. And I, you're working with your girls now. So yeah. it's, you know, I, I don't watch the girls game as much as the men's game, but you've got all of these trainers across the landscape of the, like the country. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them everywhere. All they're teaching are dribble moves. Everybody's teaching a punch, a punch move, like, you know, a punch into a, into a punch stop, right. into, a, into a drag, into a, like, you're like, uh, okay, that was like seven things. No one is teaching somebody how to use a screen. Right. Like, do how you know to get I mean? open, how to get, get ball. how to get open, how to catch and shoot, what your feet need to look like when you catch and shoot, proper form. I got all these kids on my team that can do all this stuff with a ball. Okay. None of them shoot. Like, so I got to spend <laughs> 10 minutes in, you know, in practice just working on their form before we can even shoot. These are, these are sixth graders. I'm like, you know, the game has changed so much. The James Harden effect to some degree, like I get Kyrie, Steph, all they're known for their handles. Who's got the best handles? What people, what people miss is before they could do any of that, they had every single fundamental down pat. Yep. Do you know what I mean? And it's really frustrating for me because there's just so much dribbling. And so when I see, when I see like a dude have four dribbles and score 43 points, I won't put the tape up at practice tomorrow. By the way, I'm in the market for an assistant coach. You got time in your schedule? Man, I coach a lot of sports. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I'm going to hold you down. All right. We're going to bring you out to practice. All right. right, Welcome back. Canel and Bell. So some of the the NFL coaching carousel is starting to slow down. You're starting to see the teams pair off with uh, making their hires. One that was kind of interesting, especially we mentioned yesterday a little bit of the drama surrounding Cliff Kingsbury because he was at Texas Tech, gets fired. Takes a position at USC as their offensive coordinator. Like, great gig. Then he's starting to become rumored, but I think it was a surprise to a lot of people saying, why would he be an NFL head coach? Then you think about his history with quarterbacks, specifically one Patrick Mahomes, who's lighting up the league. Yeah. And he's getting interviews, and sure enough, the Arizona Cardinals have hired, uh, Cliff to be their, uh, head coach to work with Josh Rosen, young quarterback. I can't say I love this hire. I can't say I hate it. Like, I'm just kind of like, all right, let's see what he does. Like, I think it's interesting. I like that they're thinking outside the box, but I think it's a little bit of a swing for the fences where it's either going to be a complete home run or it's going to be another one and done potentially bad. Um, there are a lot of thoughts here. First of all, yeah. is he as handsome as everybody says he is? I don't know. I don't know. Girls like, I, I don't know. Fawn over him, right? Okay. So, like, and in, in when he was at Texas Tech, like the college football world was like, it's the hottest coach ever. They had signs that said, "Our coach is hotter." Okay, than so it's his. That's who he that's is. It's his shtick. It's a shtick. That's no sunglasses there, but he does wear the Ravens. See, like there, I think he looks like I'm not going to say he looks hungover because yeah. I don't know what his personal life. But he looks kind of <laughs> like he had a rough night. Maybe he was sick. All right? Maybe he was sick. I'm gonna, I I think I'm with you. I'm like he's all right. right. I get, right? All right, fine. But like there's a Ryan Gosling and all this stuff. Come on, let's let's tone it down just a little bit. Yeah, seriously. Coca apparently thinks he's all that and a bad. Yeah, and though. said he's shredded. So, like, yeah. good for you, Coca. But I think he's oh. just skinny. I think he's, he's a total just... hunk. Total <laughs> hunk. You guys are just <laughs> haters. Janita's a, you Janita, guys are just Janita, haters. Thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs Janita. up or thumbs down. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Up. Right. Up. up. Oh, up. my goodness. Okay. She's, all right. So, look. He's got, maybe we're just a couple of haters. I'm with you in the on the football thing, right? Like, his track record, like I didn't know much about the dude, but I was going back and looking, and we've got some good stuff produced here for us. Like there's some information who he's dealt with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you alluded to Patrick Mahomes, like when he was with A and M. Hold on, before you go through, I know you're going to go through the list. That is the reason. That's the reason. The reason. Like finally they hitch onto something, or like, oh, he coached Patrick Mahomes, even though Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be good no matter who he plays for. 
So I'm sorry. Go ahead. But no, it's okay. But in A and M, when he had when he had uh, when he had Johnny Manziel, right? They were the only offensive like ranked team in top fifteen and like rushing, passing, total scoring offense, offense. Like he he has done something with the offenses that he's worked with. And so if you got a young quarterback um, and you're trying to think outside the box a little bit, you want some excitement there in. Um, in uh, uh, Phoenix, yeah, like I'm okay with that, but I'm with you. Like you know, where he worked at it. It was his alma mater. Like he I, holds every record at the alma mater. You know, do you know how hard it is to get fired from your alma mater? He was given like, an extra probably two years than so, most coaches would have. So this, yes. Yeah, so this is my point. If you're if you're coming off being fired from your alma mater, you got to go rehab that somewhere for me. Right, like, with I'm, USC offensive coordinator. Yeah, go rehab that. Would have been like, I'll still keep my eye on you. Yeah. Like, we'll, I still, well, well, yeah, you've done some great stuff with quarterbacks, but you ain't coming here to coach the Cardinals. I'm not giving you a, 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 a raise right. and a promotion for getting fired from your alma mater. Well, I can't, your alma mater. I can't. Here's what Coca, who obviously just has this affinity for Cliff Kingsbury because yeah. he can't see past his good looks, was right. saying, was that Texas Tech is a hard job. Like, nobody comes through yeah, there Texas and rolls Tech's through there. Problem. Mike Leach did. He had 10 win seasons with yeah. them. Uh, if you're that great of a coach, so much so that an NFL team is willing to back up their truck and give you a large payday, you would think you would have some history of success. That's what I do think is, I think the most important hire will be his defensive coordinator. Because Sean McVay, as much as everybody loves him this year, it's unbelievable. It's kind of like over the top. He hired Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator. That was a great move. Right. Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears, who they hired trying to find another Sean McVay, hired Vic Fangio, longtime tenured assistant, you know, was a defensive coordinator. So I think it's his staff that matters more. I also don't think his offense is just something that he can just bring the playbook from Texas Tech, plop it down on the table, and say, here you go, Josh Rosen, let's do this. He's got to make adjustments, tweaks, just little things, not big, but he's got to get ready for the NFL's defenses because you're going to see way more complex defensively than people think. You know what's also interesting? You could, you know better than I. I'm going to ask you the question. The guys that he's worked with here, like the, the, the Johnny Manziel's, the Patrick Mahomes, like those guys, they seem to be more like, Kind of gun right. slinging, like, like, like they march to their own beat type of players. And, right. and Josh Rosen strikes me as the more prototypical, like, he wants to do it like Tom Brady, like, yes. did it. You know I, what I mean? The closest thing I think would be Case Keenum. Cause okay. he worked with Case Keenum when he was at Houston, I think was when they were together. And, uh, and Davis Webb is more of a pocket passer okay. as well. So he's had some, but the thing that's weird about this, like, Baker Mayfield was at Texas Tech. Baker, I forgot about Baker. Yeah. But it, they didn't get along. Like, he didn't start. Like, where's his eye for talent? Like, why didn't that work out? He, why he got him to the school. Oh, he got him to the school. Go. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. It's like I think that he's going to be good at evaluating the talent, and I think that his he already, offense. He, but he already good. has the talent. He already he's given his quarterback if he likes him or not. He has. Yeah, to but now that. he but now he doesn't have to recruit defensive players. He's got a defense. He drafts defensive players. Look, they have the number one pick in the draft. They have like a top five uh, cap space for next year. I think they can put together a good team. But like you said, it's all about who he hires as his defensive coordinator. Yeah, agreed. And like offensively, I have a little bit of a concern that he could be Steve Spurrier. Yeah. Like, cause Steve Spurrier, when he was at Florida, fun and gun, they were throwing yeah, it all cute. over. They, he just took his playbook and said, I'm going to run this in the NFL, and it didn't work. Like, right. He had way too many schemes where he was like, like their, their philosophy was, you have hot routes, you have side adjustments. He'd be like, well, we'll just lock them up and throw it. And like, you, like, it was very basic. Yeah, lazy. You have to get to that next level. Um, so. Leaves another job that was filled yesterday. The Tampa Bay Bucks hired Bruce Arians, who, oddly enough, used to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He was out, was in broadcasting with us here at CBS this past year. I actually really like this hire because I do I think too. it's a guy who's had proven success 
in the NFL for a long time. Yeah. Not, not in a, and I'm not throwing shade at Sean McVay, but he's still very young and hasn't had this body of work that everybody pictures. He's worked with quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger, who I think is a similar skill set as Jameis Winston. Right. And I, I kind of like his personality. Everybody that talks about him says he's fun to play for. He's a player-friendly coach. And also he brought in Todd Bowles with his defensive coordinator, who I think it didn't work out with the Jets. And I think that was more about the roster and the talent, the lack of talent that was there. But I think he's one of the best defensive minds out there. So I think this might be one of the best, most underrated coaching hires of this NFL season. Yeah, I like proven stuff. I like, you know what I mean? And, and you know, especially when you're going around the last go around, probably with Jameis Winston, you're trying to really figure out who he is. Bringing in a young dude for that situation where you're going to have some growing pains with the coach himself probably isn't the recipe for trying to figure out what you want to do with Jameis Winston. So I, I, I agree with you with Bruce Arians. His personality looks like it's a really, like it's a really good personality. Yeah. And Todd Bowles, even though he might not be cut from like the head coaching cloth, cause like some guys are just really, really good coordinators. Right. You know what I mean? Like his defenses were usually pretty good with the Jets. And so, you know, I think, I think they'll be better off for it. But you and I talked about this off air and like all of these coaching gigs, right? Like now it is the Sean McBay effect, right? Yeah. But generally speaking in the NBA and whatever, whatever you do in life, it's about your, it's about your interview, man. It's about whether you can sit in there, like, and, and essentially tell somebody what they want to hear, right? You know what I mean? Like, it, there are a few times it has to do with your resume. There are other times that it just has to do with, like, yo, you had a hell of an interview. So we're right. going to take a shot on you because you're a people person. Like, you've, you've wooed me as the owner. I want you as the coach, right? Right. It's, it's funny. This Sean McVay thing, it is kind of funny. Uh, Kevin Clark, who I believe writes for The Ringer, had a little picture and it said, the, the coaching decision that now this year is made. And it was kind of like the thing when you write in, uh, grade school, like, do you like me? Yes or no? Yeah. Check the box. Right. It's, do you know Sean McVay? Yeah. Yes, you'll get hired. No, you have no shot. Like, and it kind of has gotten to that point. Um, Listen, all I've heard is that you guys are intimidated by how handsome a coach is. It's Sean McVay. It's Cliff Kingsbury. But, but we'll take Bruce Arians. I get it. I get it. Our bad. Our bad. That's why. That's right. Um, I, you know, who are not intimidated by their good looks is Mike Mayock. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a bad looking dude. No shade on him. But I don't, I think we can safely say that's not coming to the decision there. It's been widely, I don't know, probably mocked is probably the best word because people are like, he was only a TV guy. I don't, here's where I stand on Mike Mayock. I don't love it. Like, cause I, I cause I, he played a little bit, wasn't that great of a player. But when John Lynch was hired by the 49ers, I loved it. And he had zero experience in a front office, but I knew him. Like I was a teammate of him. Yeah, well, what about him? What about him? Because I knew like he's a winner, first of all. I think he has tireless work ethic. I think he's really a smart guy. Like he went to Stanford. Like he's, but he also, he was a smart football player. But I just, there was a trust level because of a, like he's a winner. You know, like, you know, some people you just know, like. Sounds like it's coming down to like he played and Mike Mayock didn't. Like, cause like. A little bit, yeah, but like he's had a lot more success than Mike Mayock on the field, which doesn't really matter in Elway, who's, you know, he did get the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, but yeah. since then he's really struggled evaluating talent and they have not been as good that year. Does it matter? It shouldn't probably matter that you even played. Like there are coaches who are great that didn't play. Why yeah. not be the same for GMs? And Mayock, like I do think he's a tireless worker and I do think he studies a lot of film, but he's never been in that position to go, you know, actually select the dude. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. That's a and and to have I didn't make as much of it with him saying that Gruden's going to have final say as everybody else did. Like I, right. I think, you know, we I mean, talk about this a lot. Gruden you made a hundred million dollars. They're going to let him have high. Correct. Class. And and you like you're getting players, but you like you can't just throw stuff at a coach that he doesn't want. 
Like, right. you know what I mean? You guys are a team. It's not like you're his boss or, you know, you're trying to get him things that he feels like he can win with. So I didn't really have a beef. Yeah. With that. You, you would, uh, in a perfect world, do you want continuity? You want guys on the same page with the same game plans and we want the same type of player sure. to fit in our offense. So then you hash that out. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with it though. Like, look, why not go and get the guy that does all the, the pre-draft analysis and like who better to, to like, Get players, I guess, is my question. Like, right. Like, Mel Kuyper, Mike Mayock, like, all of those dudes. Like, I'd like to see their, like, they talk I'd like about to see, it. I'd like to see their, their rate of success with right. some of these. Well, that's I don't have that in front of me, but. When, when the NFL draft is here, watch how many people get frustrated because they'll say, because there's the mock drafts, right? Mock draft 2.0, 3.0. You, you have all these mock drafts. People are like, well, what's their success rate? Were they right on that? And I don't think that's the best barometer because it is a crapshoot. But I do think you could go back and look at their projections saying this guy is going to be a success, this guy is not. And those would be busts that would get you fired at the next level, right. which is TV. That's one of the reasons you I like it. You just keep talking. You just keep talking. Yeah. It doesn't, nobody remembers if you is there, the game The wrong. other side of it, though, is does, like, does he have any like business experience? Is there someone running the business side of it for for? Oak, well, that's for, you uh, hope they have like, a salary cap specialist. Like I mean, most teams, and I'm sure the NBA does. Yeah, like, yeah. Guys in that position. Because the talent evaluation is just a small part of yeah, that job. Like there's a whole – you're talking about like public relations. You're talking about handling – you know, the message that gets out there after a game and you guys have had an on, on sideline type of like blow up and it was on national TV and you gotta grab the coach and say, Hey, listen, this is what we want to, this is what the message we want to get out to media. I mean, there are a lot of fires being put out right. in that seat that just because you evaluate talent doesn't mean you can necessarily do. So I'll, hopefully he's got the support staff. You're talking about pure talent evaluation. Right. I'm okay with okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. He should right. be fine. It'll be interesting to see that. I mean, the Raiders have been a disaster this first year. Gruden's been mocked by a lot of his decisions, trading away Amari Cooper, trading away Khalil Mack, yeah. who had awesome seasons. It's going to be, it's probably be a, a little rough patch. And then hopefully you see the rewards down, uh, later down the road. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So we were talking about Fred Hoiberg earlier. His name was mentioned as a possible successor to Thibodeau in, uh, Minnesota. He had come out and he made some interesting comments. He said his passion is in coaching, not in the front office, which I think is interesting because he was being uh, potentially thrown around as a GM in right. that role. I think it's a no-brainer as far as what I would rather do. I'd rather be a coach. Like I, The thing I miss about playing is the interaction with the players, like sure. in the locker room. I think you're closer to the action as the coach. You feel like you're more part of the game where the GM is more – I'm in the up, I'm in the office. It's more of the, more of the desk type job. Sure. You know, it's not, but you know what I mean? Like it's not as exciting. You had a little bit of experience in the front office. Yeah. How would you assess? Like where would your passion lie? Yeah. My passion would probably lie in coaching, but it took being in the front office to figure that out. Like I, you know, I enjoyed the scouting. I enjoyed the, the, uh, trade scenarios and the brainstorming and, and to some degree, like the business side of it, learning about the salary cap, although I didn't really dig in while I was there, but you do miss like the hands on, you know, I'd be sitting up in the box with like the general manager, David Griffin and Kobe Altman, who's now the general manager, Trent Redden, who's an assistant with the Clippers. And I'm watching the game and I have input on what should be happening. And I'm like articulating it to them. And so like after about three months of me doing that, like David Griffin, we were having drinks one night and he was like, you know, I really think your path would, you'd be a really good coach. He was like, you know, I, you'd be good at this if you want to do it. But you, you, as a player, most of us want the hands-on, right? Like we yeah. want that interaction with the guys. We want to be able to affect what's happening on that night. 
as a general manager or front office staffer, you, you can only affect it after the fact. Like, you know what I mean? You can only get back to the drawing board. You can't be in the heat of the moment really competing with the team and you miss that. So I, I would be, I would be, uh, inclined to be a coach if I went back. Did you see, I think it was Ryan Saunders the other night had his first win and like they came in and they doused him with water and stuff. Yeah. Was that, was that the Minnesota? Was yeah. That, yeah. 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 So yeah. they came, like, that doesn't happen really with a GM. No. Like there's not that tight knit relationship. Like it's, I remember the GM walks and everybody's like, Buttons up, you Correct. stop talking. Correct. It's like, oh, he's Correct. here. Like, I, I wouldn't want to be that guy. I'd want to be the coach who's in there celebrating after a big win yeah. and going to grind with them as opposed to that kind of hands-off relationship because they, they're scared of you. Sure. Well, we had like, so nowadays I think that relationship's a lot more open. Like Griff, at least in our building with the Cavs, was, had tried to keep those relationships more uh it's more viable 13 or 14 guys yeah 53 man but it used to be ball. like that when i played too like really? you were talking in front of gym like you're like bro this is our locker room you know right. and i think it's a little different now but you definitely don't have the access to the players or the relationships uh that the coaches are able to have with them all right so i have a story out here that i actually i think this is a genius move yeah you do not colorado state's head coach mike bobo rough year rough year <laughs> right, right. three and nine they were in 2018 so Couple of days after the Rams closed out their regular season with a 27-19 loss to Air Force, Bobo called his athletic director Bobo. and said, you know what? I was supposed to get a raise this year. You keep that raise. So I'm going to keep my salary where it is. So stupid. I think it's a genius move because stupid. he was on the hot. A lot of fans there in, uh, where is it? Uh, Fort, uh, Collins, Fort Collins, Colorado yeah. calling for his head saying, get okay. him out of there. He's All awful. Right. He's three and nine. Okay. I think this gives him a little bit of, like mercy with the fans they'll say oh he's a good guy he wants what's best for the university like what a good move he does this isn't a standard that he accepts i think it goes then, i think it gives then, him a little bit of uh, a leeway so a this this was a raise right this yeah, would have so been a raise salary is 1.8 million it was supposed right. to go up to 1.9 million so he said you know what i'll stay at 1.8 which is still a lot of money that's my whole point it's still a lot of money he's still making 1.8 and yet he comes across as this likable guy now. Like, hey, he's not going to accept three and nine again. Go to the bank and ask if you're likable if they'll forgive your mortgage. <laughs> no, ask him. Go. Go to the bank and say, hey, listen, I'm a really good dude, man. Can I not pay this car payment? Like, you can give me one? No. So here's my deal. If you can fire him, fire him. Right? If you're going to retain him, that must mean that you don't have a better candidate or you think he's doing an okay job. In either case scenario, if I'm owed a raise, <laughs> guess what I'm cashing in on? A raise. I could care less about what Colorado fans think about me being a good dude. That's not my business, bro. You know what my business is? What? It's about paying <laughs> bills, putting food on the table, making sure my family has a, a roof over He's their head. Got 1.8 million reasons he can do all that for his family. This one will maybe keep him it's around. It's my long money. Long. But why am I I'm not in the habit of giving people back my money? That's my money. Not like yet. It's, it's in my contract. It's though. not in your bank account. It's yet. in my contract. It like is. I've I've earned like I've earned that money. Like I, there's no good reason for me giving you back that money. Unless they were gonna fire him, they said, okay, that one point eight's the difference. That one hundred thousand. Good right. lord. Have a good one. Check us out tomorrow.